Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Once again, let me thank you for being here. Glad we can uh, spend this uh, part of this holiday week together. Uh, thanks for being a part of this. A couple things I need to mention to you. Be sure you don't miss out on some stuff that's going on. Uh, first, I want to remind you that uh, this coming Saturday night is Christmas Eve, and we will have our Christmas Eve service in this room and online both. Uh, that service will begin at 6 p.m. That's our traditional candlelight Christmas service. Uh, that's been a part of a lot of your family's traditions for a lot of years, and we hope that you'll make that a part of your tradition. If you're new to the church, we hope you'll make it a new part of your tradition and join us on Saturday evening at 6 p.m. for our Christmas, Christmas Eve candlelight service. Uh, that's when that's happening. If you can't be here in, in person, you can tune in online as well. Also need to remind you that next Sunday morning, that's a week from today, is Christmas Day. And on Christmas morning, on that Sunday, our service that day will be online only. So we will not be meeting in this room uh, together next Sunday morning. We'll be online only. Now, as a part of that, we have a special a little gift for you. We want to be sure you grab one of these boxes. In this box are the uh, materials you would need to participate in communion in your home next week. There's uh, at least enough for six in every box. If you've got more than six, going to be at your gathering next Sunday morning. Uh, take a couple of boxes. You can pick these up right outside the door as you leave. But we want to be sure that everyone has one of these. A great way for you to uh, kind of celebrate Christmas with your family and around uh, your tree is to also celebrate in a time of worship uh, through communion. Like I, get, like I said, uh, our service will be online. That'll go uh, live at 10 a.m. Uh, but you can pick that up anytime during the day through our website, through our YouTube page, or on Facebook and make that a part of your day. And uh, if you'd like to participate in communion next Sunday, uh, we have those materials uh, for you. Just be sure you pick those up uh, before you leave. Uh, we are uh, kind of in this sermon series this uh, this Christmas season that we've been calling Wrapping Christmas. And the, the, the kind of premise of this Christmas series is that you can, you can learn a lot or you can tell a lot about the giver of a gift by the way that it's wrapped. Even these boxes, some of them are folded up perfectly. Noah did those. Some of them are folded up kind of haphazardly. Yeah, I did those, and that's just kind of the way I roll. Um, if you'll see, if you were to go under, look under our tree on Christmas morning, you may see a package, a gift that's wrapped up in a Coles bag. That, again, that'd be this guy. Um, you can learn a lot about a person by the way that they wrap a gift, the gift that they give, and that's what we've, we're learning about God. We can learn a lot about who God is by the way that the gift of Christmas is wrapped, and so we've learned that Christmas has been wrapped in peace and in hope, and today we're going to talk about how Christmas is wrapped in joy. Now, to get there, I need to tell you a story. Um, back, I guess, probably the week before Thanksgiving, maybe it was, maybe the night before Thanksgiving, uh, my family was sitting around the table eating dinner that we try to get together and eat together as often as possible. And so we're sitting around the table eating our dinner this one particular night. It had been before Thanksgiving. And we're talking about our days and how was school and how was work and all these things. And my wife asked me, so what have you decided you're going to preach this Christmas? What's your Christmas series going to be? I said, well, I'm going to call it Wrapping Christmas. And one of my daughters says, Dad, you're going to wrap Christmas? And I said, yes. Yes, I am. So, Ryan, if you would go ahead and lay down that sick beat. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nobody wants to hear that. No, <laughs> no, no, nobody wants to hear that. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> 
That's, that's a long way to go for that joke. That's four weeks of sermons for that joke, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what you want for Christmas? I'm sure your kids have made their list. You've, you've, you've sent Santa the letter. You've been on Santa's lap. Do you know what you want for Christmas? What happens when you get what you want? Does it make you happy? How long does it make you happy? There's a place in our house that reminds me of how briefly material things make us happy. We call it the basement. Because <laughs> in the basement, that's where all the toys and furniture and tools and games and clothes and all the things that we just had to have have gone to their kind of final resting place before they go to Goodwill. That's kind of where they go. All the stuff that has lost its appeal, all the stuff we just couldn't wait to have that brought us so much we thought joy has been banished to the basement. And it's, it's not just stuff that loses its luster, is it? The same thing is true of achievements. Anyone else besides me have a box that's full of diplomas and trophies and plaques and other sort of nonsense you've been awarded through your life? Musician Ben Rector wrote this song called More Like Love. He says this, this is a beautiful lyric in this song, More Like Love. He says, I used to think I wanted to be famous. I'd be recognized out in a crowd. But the funny thing is, anytime I've gotten what I want, it lets me down. We all know that cycle, don't we? And the reason that we chase experiences, and the reason that we buy things, and the reason we pursue relationships is because we hunger for lasting joy. We want the feels. We want the endorphins. We want them to last. Well, the angel told the shepherd outside of Bethlehem on the night that Jesus was born here in Luke 2, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Now, you can trust me on this, but you can do your own research if you want. But people living in first century Palestine were desperate for joy. They were living under multiple dictators, including the Jewish king, King Herod, who was ruthless. He crushed the poor with taxes to the point that many, many people were homeless and starving. He murdered, King Herod murdered his opponents and dissonance. He even killed his own wives and children who lost favor with him. Herod arranged for local dignitaries to be killed on the day of his death. So think about this. The plan was made that whenever Herod died, that other important people in Judea would be killed so that somebody somewhere would be mourning because they knew they wouldn't be mourning for his death. Do you remember what the wise men asked when they arrived in Jerusalem? In Matthew 2, it says Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, here's their question, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Imagine how that sounded to an insecure, narcissistic tyrant like Herod. Someone who didn't mind slaughtering innocent people to protect his own interest. Verse 3 says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Everyone in Jerusalem knew to be very afraid whenever Herod felt threatened. And since Herod perceived that his rival, this newborn king of the Jews that the, the Magi had said to him, they perceived that his rival was a newborn, the result is a little hard to imagine or even talk about. 
Herod orders every male child, two years and younger, just to be sure he doesn't miss this newborn king. Every male child in Judea, two years and, and younger, was to be slaughtered. What does it mean that God knew all of this bloodshed and heartache was coming? And yet he sent an angel to the very place where mass murder was about to happen. And the angel's promise in that moment was, I bring you good news of great joy. Part of the meaning has to be that joy is not what we think it is. That it doesn't come from where we often think it does. You see, joy isn't really the absence of grief. Joy isn't the absence of difficulty. It's something bigger, something better, something stronger. Listen to what Jesus said about joy in John 15. He says, I have told you these things, pay attention to that phrase, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Take some time sometime and look back at, at John 15 and John 16 and try to figure out what these things are that Jesus was talking about. These things that he's telling them so they'll be filled with joy. What are the things that Jesus was actually talking about? I'll give you the short list. Jesus has just told his disciples for the first time that he is going to die. That doesn't sound very joyful, does it? Jesus is telling his disciples, reminding them in John 15 and 16 that they are going to be hated. Joy? He told them that some of them, <laughs> some of you are going to get killed. Joy? Some of the, these closest followers are going to be martyrs. Joy? Jesus then tells them, I'm going away. But you're, joy? But Jesus spoke to them about a joy that would be there through all of these transitions and all of these challenges and all of this loss. Do you think you could have felt joy while Jesus was telling you all these things were going to happen to you? I think maybe more than any other holiday, at least any other day, Christmas is a magnifier. Have you noticed that? The Christmas season makes whatever it is you are experiencing emotionally, relationally, it makes it more intense. It, it magnifies whatever it is you're living, whatever it is you're experiencing. So if you're in a sweet season of life right now, this Christmas, if your marriage is fulfilling, if your children are making wise choices, if your job is a great fit, if your finances are stable, then Christmas just seems to amplify all the good things that are happening. It amplifies joy. But Christmas can also magnify loss. And it can also magnify sadness, too. If someone you love has passed away this year, or your finances are in turmoil, or this is the first Christmas after a breakup, or someone in your family can't make it to be home this year for Christmas, then the magnifying power of the Christmas holiday makes all of those things more intense, too. That's why the old song, Blue Christmas, resonated so strongly. When it was written, people were off at war. Families were separated. A lot of people knew what it was like to have intense sadness and concern at Christmas. Sad people cry more at Christmas. Happy people laugh more at Christmas. 
Cranky people crank more at Christmas. It's why the Grinch stole Christmas. It's, it's why Scrooge hated Christmas and bah humbugged Christmas. Because every emotion is more intense around Christmas time, the positive and the negative. And if you're on the downside of this magnifying principle of Christmas right now, then it's tough to see people who are on the upside enjoying life, laughing, enjoying their blessings. Now listen, I'm not advocating envy here. I'm just, I'm just acknowledging that sometimes, sometimes it's, it's at least a little frustrating if it's not downright sickening when you see people having, having it so good when you're having such a tough time. And maybe the thing that pushes most of us over the edge on, on this more than anything else are the Christmas commercials. You know those commercials, the family's perfect and everything's just beautiful, perfectly beautiful people wake up on Christmas morning, there's no wrinkles in their pajamas, there's no wrinkles on their faces, their hair is somehow perfect, They're, they just look great when they get out of bed, it's that perfect Christmas, Christmas image that we all wish we could live, but we look in the mirror and we, it's not us, right? And if money is tight for you, the commercial that you really hate the most is the one where someone is receiving that brand new Lexus with a big stinking bow on it getting their December to remember. It's hard to be happy for someone who's getting a new Lexus. <laughs> Unless, of course, it's you, right? <laughs> but the angel promised to people, people who are about to experience tremendous hardship and mourning and tragedy. The angel's promise was there is great joy available to all the people. Not just the people who were having the perfect Christmas, who look perfect, who got the perfect Christmas gifts, who have the, the new Lexus with the big stinking red bow on it. You see, we all have access to joy. And that joy can be magnified in the Christmas season as well. Do you know the story of, I won't get his name wrong, Vanderlei Cordero de Lima. Vanderlei Cordero de Lima was an athlete who competed in the 2004 Athens, Athens Olympic Marathon. He made the Olympic team, he's from Brazil, made the Olympic team, qualified for the games. He was a marathon runner, but he was not expected to be in any sort of contention for a medal. He was just one of those guys just happy to be there, right? And so as, he, as the race begins, he's running the race of his life. And about four miles from the end of the marathon, Cordero, Cordero de Lima finds himself in first place in this race and that is when a drunken spectator who by the way happened to be an irish priest i don't know what to do with that <clears throat> a drunken spectator this irish priest runs out onto the race course tackles vanderlei cordero de lima and holds him down on the side of the road during the race the incident cost de lima the gold medal but when he recovered and was able to get up from the drunken priest hole on him on the sidewalk, he still managed to finish the marathon in third place and won a bronze medal there at the Athens Games. And when he was awarded his medal on that stand, rather than being angry, rather than being bitter, rather than being sad or broken, he flashed the biggest smile and treated the crowd to a victory dance. And when asked about his bronze medal, Delima said, my medal is bronze, but it means gold. Don't you love that spirit? You see, there is joy available, great joy available, even to people who have experienced tremendous 
disappointment. The best thing about joy is that it can't be taken away by others. It can't be denied by others. We look at people sometimes that you're stealing my joy, but that's not really possible. You have to give, give it away. You have to choose to not be joyful. And Jesus says that there is a joy that is his joy. That's different. That's different than any other kind of joy. And if we have him because he is the joy of heaven, we always have a source for our joy. We always have a reason for joy. Paul writes in Philippians, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. That's not just a recognition of what's happening in our lives. It's an instruction. It's a command. And when we express joy, we are filled with joy in good times and in difficult times. We rejoice because our joy is from our Savior, not from our circumstances. Now, a lot of times we try to live by and we try to su sustain circumstantial joy. And that's why so many of us, we're, we're always so up and down emotionally. Because we try to draw joy from our circumstances, from, from what's going on. And circumstances will just simply not allow you to remain positive in a broken world. And because we try to align our joy with our circumstances, our joy, it comes and goes. We try to manipulate circumstances so that we'll stay in a joyful state. And sometimes we get mad at God because our circumstances are not giving us enough joy. But when we do that, what we're doing is we're looking for joy in, from the wrong source. It's ironic that during times of blessing and times of enjoyment in our lives, God's favor can confuse us and can warp our understanding of joy because we can think that our joy is coming from all of these favorable circumstances instead of coming from God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So things go our way. What do we think? Well, things are good. So we think, well, God really loves me because life is going so well right now. Things are so smooth right now. God must really love me. I'm in a great relationship. I've got enough money. My kids are doing well in school. My health is pretty good. And while it is true that God is the source of all of the good things that we experience in the world, God wants us to realize that there are some blessings that are intended to be temporary and some blessings that are intended to be permanent. And God wants us looking and dwelling and thinking about and gazing on and clinging to the blessings that are permanent, not the blessings that are temporary. Many of God's blessings are given to us intentionally given to us intentionally by God for a season. And we attempt to hold on to those blessings longer than the season, then we become depressed and sad and disappointed and sometimes angry with God. Let me give you a couple examples. Your children are at home for, I don't know, 18 years or so. And then they launch out on their own. Now, most parents are pleased to see their children making their own way, and parents even joke a lot about that, that, that phase and that transition of life. But a lot of parents are so sad when that season is over. And it's, certainly, some sadness is absolutely appropriate because an era is over. Life is changing. And even though you know it's coming, your life still changes that day you drop your kid off in that dorm room because the season is over. Your marriage. Your marriage may bless you for 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years, but then your spouse or you 
will go and be with the Lord because it's a season. And even though it's a long season, and even though we see it as a lifelong season, it's temporary. And when, when we are in those seasons of blessings, it is sometimes easy to forget to draw our joy first from Jesus and not from the favorable circumstances. Because that way, when the season ends, when the season of life ends, the season of blessing ends, our source of joy remains. You know, God has always wanted you and God has created you to, to find and to derive your greatest joy from the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And his adoption of you into his family as his child, and that will never, ever go away. Paul reminds us in Romans that I'm convinced that nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is the love of God revealed in my health? No. It's a blessing. But that's not where God chose to reveal his love for me. Is God's love revealed for me in the house that I live in? In the car that I drive? No. But if I allow myself to think so, then I will feel abandoned if circumstances in life somehow take one of those things away from me. How do I know God loves me? Well, Jesus said in John that God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son. That's how I know. That's how God revealed his love to me through Jesus Christ. And that provides joy that no difficulty, no other loss can negate if my focus is on the permanent blessing. I suspect sometime this week my family will sit down and we will watch that wonderful Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. The movie's more than 70 years old now. You know the movie? As the, as the movie begins, we hear multiple prayers being offered up for someone named George Bailey. And then there's this conversation between God and George Bailey's guardian angel, this angel by the name of Clarence Oddbody. I love that name. And when God tells Clarence Oddbody that George Bailey needs some help, Clarence asks God, well, is he sick? And God's answer is, no, it's worse. He's discouraged. Aside from Jimmy Stewart's acting, which is just an absolute gem, I think the genius of the movie It's a Wonderful Life lies in the film's realism. Now, spoiler alert, I hope I don't give too much away here, but really, you've had 70 years. Watch the film already. <laughs> in many movies, especially movies we love, a common theme in a lot of movies is that the main characters, their dreams come true, right? Things work out for them in the end. Their problems just melt away. But George Bailey's dreams don't come true. I think that's the genius of this movie. Every time George Bailey attempts to leave his little hometown where he grew up, he wants to go see the world, he wants to, he wants to spread his wings. Every time he tries to leave, a crisis keeps him from leaving. His heart longs to travel. He wants to see the world, but he doesn't even get to go away for his honeymoon because a banking crisis claims all of his life savings and he has $2 left. 
Nothing in George Bailey's life goes according to plans. I think that's a whole lot like the original Christmas story as well. Nothing went according to plan. Joseph had planned to marry his fiancée. He planned for them to have a child or two or maybe more. He planned for them to live a normal life. He would be a normal man, raising a normal family in normal circumstances, in a normal career, in a normal town. He thought his life was going to be normal. But normal never happened. And Joseph and Mary never moved to normal. Matthew 1 says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not normal. You don't meet a lot of pregnant virgins. just doesn't happen. And you know what else it wasn't? It wasn't easy. Chosen by God handpicked by God for the thing that God has been leading up to for all of history and yet so so difficult Joseph and Mary are at the at the epicenter of God's will they are exactly where they're supposed to, where God wants them to be for for all of human history they are in that moment but there was nothing normal there was nothing easy you know the middle of God's will is a hard place to be Problems were awaiting around every corner. Gossip in their hometown of Nazareth. An unavoidable journey with a newborn to Egypt. A king that's trying to kill their little child and every other little child in the neighborhood. A son who thought he was God and turned out to be. (laughs) And so many people who misunderstood them and him and hated him. And in his adult life, people still wanted to kill him being chosen by God, being in the center of God's will made Mary's life harder. It made Joseph's life more difficult. But listen to what Mary's saying. In anticipation of what was coming and even of the challenges that had already occurred, she sings, sings this in Luke 1, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Remember how Jesus talked about my joy? My spirit rejoices in God. So can I challenge you this Christmas week? Can I challenge you for the new year ahead? Choose joy. Intentionally choose joy, especially when especially when your circumstances don't suggest you should be joyful especially when you're knocked down just before you're about to win the race. And instead of winning the gold, you win the bronze. Choose joy. Opt for joy. Choose joy. Don't allow yourself to be sad or sour any more than necessary. Don't let yourself think that it's normal to grumble when David had nearly sunk his own life by his own sin and disobedience and stupidity. He prays to God in Psalm 51. He says, oh, give me back my joy again you have broken me now let me rejoice restore to me the joy of your salvation 
Make me willing to obey you. Habakkuk, the prophet, writes this in Habakkuk 3. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Do you see it again? In the God of my salvation. That's how we conquer this challenge of joy. When was the last time your spirit rejoiced in God rather than in some favorable circumstance in which you are grateful? Have you ever gone there? Are you still dealing with God in a, in a childlike way, just saying, God, just, just give me. Give me, God. Give, give me what I want. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Then I'll be happy, God. God has something more in mind for all of us. Joy is available in God if you'll make that choice.